Clayton. John Clayton. Hey, Mom, I'm done with my segment. This is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton. Brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. Time to talk football with the professor, John Clayton. If you guys have questions for John, you know what to do. Text those questions into 421-3776. That's 421-ESPN. We'll try to get to some of your questions before we let John go for the day. Hello, John. Hello, guys. Are you propped up in front of your TV watching the Combine? Uh, no. Why? How come, John? Come I'm, on. Doing, I'm doing a radio show right now downstairs. <laughs> nice. Do, do you have a TV like down the there? Concentration. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You do? So you, you, know, you could watch it with the sound off. I mean, I could. You could. Have you been watching it prior to doing this radio show? Uh, no. John, did you know we have a TV here in the studio now? I know that. Isn't that great? It is fantastic. Yeah, Dave and I were just debating the virtues of hand size in the NFL, and the, mm-hmm. it's funny that the biggest story, it seems, coming out of the Combine so far is the lack of hand size for Kenny Pickett. It measured at 8.5, which, according to the story I was just reading to Dave, would make, which would be the smallest of any quarterback currently in the NFL. Yeah, which, uh, and that, <clears throat> you notice... That's led to more fumbles for him in college. 26 total fumbles. <clears throat> and it's going to lead to more fumbles in the NFL. Isn't that uh, from Austin Powers where he's describing small hands smell like cabbage? <laughs> I didn't remember that line, but that's yeah. great. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were talking to Moyer about some of the things that, uh, you know, that go on there and yeah. how it's more about watching film. It's not... But, you know, I mean, would you discount if you're looking at like a quarterback and he runs a slow 40? I mean, is that I mean, I like Bob said, it's like a little bit extra, but it's not like your quarterback unless he's like 5'10 mm-hmm. and you're going to run with him. But, you know, as far as speed and some of these tests, it seems fairly unnecessary. Yeah. Some of these positions. No, I mean, because, again, you, you, I mean, you know, we're in an, a speed era right now. With the quarterbacks, but again, I mean, uh, did uh, you know, Mac Jones have good speed? No, no. no. So it's like uh, you can still succeed without speed. Tom Brady did a good job. Peyton Manning did a good job. So Dave Craig did a good job without a lot of speed. So no, I think that uh, I mean, you know, it's it's who's who's can read the defenses, who can do some things, and then of course who has a good arm. Hey John, I was I was sent these guys an article last night talking about Seahawks free agents and mm-hmm. and the idea that here are some potential candidates. Even though the Seahawks have only used the franchise tag twice with Pete Carroll there, uh, here are some candidates potentially. And obviously, number one would be Quandre Diggs. Right. They had DJ Reed, mm-hmm. and then they threw in Rashad Penny, and I said, oh, "No, please. thank you. No, thank you." What what is what is the uh, what is the tag number for a running back? Do you know? I think it's about... Uh, or Dave you know, gave it to us. 11? Was it 11 something? I thought it was 12-5. Yeah, and again, it's like uh, none of the running backs who are free agents, except for maybe Corderell Patterson, are going to get more than 6 mil on a multi-year deal or a single-year deal. So it's like, why would you put a franchise tag on Penny? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, and then, Pete, uh, can we play that clip for the professor? It was uh, He was one? talking about Rashad Penny mm. and uh, just, you know, kind of... Uh, yeah, you know, what he thinks about yeah. him. Once he was able to, to sustain from one day to the next day to a week to another week and feel really good about his body, and he finally had recovered. And he had a, a major recovery from a major injury that just took a, a, a finely tuned, like a Ferrari. It just had to be all tuned up just right. Once he got going, he ripped. And he had a huge impact on, on, our, on our offense, on the running game in particular. And his explosiveness was just so obvious. It just jumped at us. 
What bothers me about that, John, is that he says once he got everything tuned mm-hmm. up just right, then, you know, but like when you're playing in the NFL, you're never just right. You're never 100% healthy. You're never even 90% healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of worries me. I, I feel like it wasn't so much the injuries themselves as it was his reaction to the injuries. What do you think? Well, and I think that certainly Adrian Peterson helped him out. You know, taught him to be tougher, tough to get through the injuries better, all those different things. And so I thought that was encouraging. Oh. All right. And so- also under, understand that about this year, this is a really good running back draft. And so it's like it's going to decrease the value of free agent running backs. Yeah, I was God. Whose Twitter? I was looking at somebody's Twitter yeah. uh, timeline. Somebody who covers the the Seahawks and uh, writes about him. But basically, they had video from four different running backs that mm-hmm. had all spoken with the Seahawks. So it feels like they're in the market, or at least yeah. at least covering their bases. And you've talked about this being you know one of the great drafts for running backs. And Seahawks certainly seem invested in in the conversations anyway with. With these guys, whether it's, you know, hey, just in case we don't re-sign Penny or just in case Chris Carson can't play, we're going to have these guys in mind. But, you know, it, it was literally four or five different guys talking about the great conversations they had with the Seahawks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, I mean, and there, there may not be a running back that will go in the first round. There doesn't seem to be the urgency to do that. But again, as most GMs will tell you, you can get a good running back in round five. Yeah, I mean, they got Chris Carson in round seven. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, James Robinson down in uh, Jacksonville was undrafted. Hmm. Hey, John, uh, a texter asking about the franchise tag versus the transition tag. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the numbers are different, uh, wanting to know what the difference is. Well, the difference is, I mean, if you have the franchise tag, uh, somebody else can sign that player. And uh, then, you know, you have like uh, you know days to match. And so, I mean, you can lose the player. Like last year, there was no transition player uh, getting the transition tag, and very few get the transition tag. So it's like it's better if you want to keep the player to get the franchise tag. Now, how the number? How do they come up with the numbers as far as franchise tag and transition tag? Is it the average of like the top five or ten or something like that? Uh, well, for the uh, franchise tag, it's the top ten. For the transition tag, it's the top twenty-five. Uh, John the five hundred nine asking, "Hey John, do you think John Schneider will spend big on a uh, uh, big or our top name? Spend big on a top name player in free agency, or will they stick to what they always do? Wait till the second level of free agency and going for quantity more than quality? No, they'll they'll go. I think in the first wave, but I don't think they're going to spend big on a, a free agent. That's you know because again." Uh, you know, I, I, I talked to this with Mike Saul because he wanted me to do a little research project on the, uh, you know, what what guys can get under the cap. And what he was worried about is like, hey, you have, you know, $35 million of cap room, but it's like, uh, you know, it's all going to be gone and re-signing your own players. And I said, no, it's not. You know, because again, you know, like for example, if you sign, uh, let's say DJ Reed can get $10 million, you can get him for a $4 million cap hit. I mean, in the case of uh, you know doing something with uh, Diggs, I mean he can get 13 million, or and you can get him you know probably at six million under the cap. So again, you know I think that they'll, they'll spend, and I think they'll be more active early. But again, I don't think they're going to overspend. Hey John, we're uh, talking about lifting all the protocols in the NFL as far as COVID 19 goes. They um, the NFL and the NFLPA agreed to 
suspend COVID-19 protocols. Uh, you think everything's going to go back to normal? Like next year, Bob and I were talking about like going into the uh, into the locker room and stuff like that and, you know, travel and open it up like it was back in 2019. Uh, that sounds like it's heading in that direction, you know, particularly taking away the protocols. I'm still scared about that because, you know, still what if a player does get COVID-19 and he doesn't tell anybody? Because now you're putting in all the trust on the player, and the player's not going to say that he's got COVID-19. I mean, he's going to say, well, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. So it's like it's concerning, but I think it's heading in that direction that, you know, it is going to open up more. But it, it, I think it's uh, it's voluntary, right, uh, as yeah. far as the testing goes? Yeah. Which, especially around the playoffs, like who is going to go in and go, hey, could I please be tested? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, John, the 253 asking, did the front office do a bad job of reading the market last offseason? Diggs and Dwayne asking for an extension, turning down Penny's fifth year. I, 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 Penny turning down the fifth year was the right move, but what about the other two? Well, the cap was 182.5. You didn't have the room to be able to do what you can do this year with the cap being 208.5. So it's like, or, uh, so it's like, uh, you know, it, it, when you have a sixteen million dollar difference in the cap, it's going to be hard to, you know, get those type of deals. And naturally, if you're going to be digs, you want to get the me- best money you possibly can. And if you're going to be, uh, you know, in Penny's case, you know, why would you give him the fifth year option when he has he's been hurt most of his uh, uh, career with the Seahawks? But they could have. You were just talking about if they were to sign Diggs, it would be what a four million dollar cap hit, or yeah. they could maneuver. So they could have, right? Could because have, they yeah. had money left over that's carrying over into this year. So right. they they didn't even spend all their money last year. So they, I guess, technically they could have worked out a deal with Diggs. They could have, yeah, but they didn't. And again, it's like, uh, you know, I think they're waiting right now. I mean, they got till Tuesday to see if they're going to use the franchise tag, and the franchise tag on Diggs is like ten point one, something a little over ten. So it's like. Uh, I mean, you can do that. I mean, he may not be happy about it, but then nobody's necessarily happy about getting the franchise tag. But right now, nobody's been franchised. Hey, John, we were talking earlier, and maybe this is a, an over-exaggeration, because I, I was looking at 2019 was yeah. really the class. Uh, 2019 was really the class that I was looking at. Uh, that has Pete? Do you think Pete has kind of moved away from playing rookies? Because, you know, it seemed like, with Sherm and, you know, the guys that they fit in earlier in 2019, like Marquise Blair, uh, Cody Barton, uh, you know, Ugo Amadi, Ben Burkirvin, has, has he been a little bit more reluctant to play the young guys than in years past? I don't think so. They played Jordan Brooks, didn't they? Yeah, well, you look at 2020, it's different. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, 2019, it was they did kind of get away with, with from it. But yeah, you got Jordan Brooks, mm-hmm. Damian Lewis started yeah. right away, and yeah. I, I wonder if he – you know, kind of just took a year off. I don't know if it was a lack of trust or what, but, you know, I, I, I felt like it, it, he got away from it a little bit, but these last couple of years, maybe, you know. No, I don't, think, I, I don't think there's any change in what Pete's doing in that regard. I mean, certainly, uh, I mean, we, you know, he questioned what was going on on the defense, and he makes a firing, a defensive coordinator, and all that stuff. But if they have a good rookie, they're going to play a good rookie. I mean, one of the problems is when you go to the playoffs, every year for the most part, you're getting a second-round pick in the first round. And that uh, plays into how much he plays. Mm. 421-3776. That's 421 ESPN, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. John, what, what do you see with the, with the Browns? I know we've talked about Baker Mayfield, but yeah. the Browns seem like they were this hot spot, you know, the, the 
you know, free agents wanted to go to. They signed Odell Beckham and they got Jadevian Clowney. And now that's a destination. People want to go there and play there. And then you had the year you just had. And then maybe, mm-hmm. you know, if we're being fair, you know, Baker Mayfield phys- physically compromised. So do you, is it still viewed that way or have things changed in the way people view Cleveland? I think things have changed a little bit. It's still a good team. You know, they still we'll see what they do with Jarvis Landry. I mean, his future is in question. Uh, you know, they're good on the very good on the offensive line. You know, they're paying a lot of money for offensive linemen. And, of course, they got a good tight end and all those different things, and they have a lot of good players on defense. But, uh, yeah, I think it's changed mainly because, again, you, Baker Mayfield's the quarterback. Hey, uh, Mike McDaniel, John, uh, I, I thought it was kind of funny. He yeah. was uh, It was John Lynch's uh, press conference, and he wandered into the scrum and was asking John Lynch questions, and uh-huh. I got a good laugh out of him. But what, what have you heard from uh, – from him mike mcdaniel's kind of interesting guy i mean you you look at him does he look like a head coach i mean there must be something about him that uh you know that's dynamic because uh you hear nothing but good things yeah just the stuff that you've heard from him so far what what's been your impression he comes from the kyle shanahan system and so that gives him a lot of credibility there and he was valuable in putting the running game together for kyle shanahan and the running game is so important in this league so i think you know those are the things that are in his favor John, uh, this question has come in from this person about five times, so I'll go ahead and ask it. Yeah. Apparently you wrote something back in January about the Seahawks having $70 million under the cap, and now it's $38 million. What happened to cause that, they want to know? Well, just, I mean, you know, you, you make – because, again, you know, they've got 49 players signed. You know, it's 50, you know, you take the top 51, but then, of course, I mean, you're, you're taking all those uh, deals that are 900 and all those stuff, and it just eats away – the uh, the salary cap and so now they're down to about thirty five mil. Hey John, uh, somebody uh, saying that uh, why does Major League Baseball not allow steroid users in their Hall of Fame and the NFL does? Uh, because when we are Hall of Fame voters, we can only go on what happens on the field. We can't go into steroids. We can't go into arrests. All those different things. That's on the field. The baseball writers a little bit more discerning as far as that goes. If they if they don't like the guy, they don't like the guy, and the guy doesn't get voted in. Yeah. So, and I'm trying to think of anybody that's in there that ever got caught using steroids. Yeah, there's a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. People don't don't remember though in football the way they yeah. do in baseball. Baseball is a game that's built on numbers and stats, and and you know you you always knew who the home run leader was. Mm-hmm, you knew mm-hmm. you had those markers. You know you knew seven fifty five. You. you Football, you know, Emmett Smith's the all-time leading rusher, but very few people could tell you what that number is. You know, it's just not a game that the, the the numbers aren't hallowed in football the way they are in baseball. No, they they aren't. But again, it's like if you're going to be, you know, like this year there was two fourteen thousand yard receivers who didn't get into the Hall of Fame. One was a first year, and another one was uh, you know a longtime Indianapolis Colt, uh, Reggie Wayne. And so it's like, uh, you know, it's it's different every year. But, again, the numbers still are big. I mean, again, you, know, you look at the running backs, and if you're a running back that gains over 10,000 yards, you have a great chance of getting in. But, you know, I just don't – whoever that texter is, text in, what, who are the guys in the Hall of Fame that come to mind that are steroid users? I mean, I think there's a lot of assumptions mm-hmm. that people think that that's what was going on. Well, there was a year where, like – it. it was like half the Panthers roster was got popped for using PEDs. It was yeah. like in the early 2000s. It, it, it was 
you know, I remember you'd, you'd hear about it, it but it, it's such a non-story. Yeah. You know, it just becomes like, oh, so-and-so got popped. Okay, he's suspended four games and they're back. Yeah, and I remember talking about the HGH thing, and that was mm-hmm. all about, like, healing. It wasn't about, well, I guess it ultimately leads to that, but it was about repairing after mm. a game, you know, and so that always seemed like that was okay to me. I mean, you know, as taking something so that, you know, because after a game, man, I mean, I, I remember during the season, a lot of times we had guys do, uh, we had a weight coach that would do isometrics. So mm. he would just do a workout where he would give you the resistance because you couldn't grab a bar and, you know, benching and all that. Your shoulders yeah. were always sore. I don't, I didn't ever see why, what, what's the problem with, um, you know, take the HGH and helping you recover from a game. Well, it doesn't, if, I, it's, I, if it's you know deemed to be illegal, you know, because again, the Players Association has to sign on sign on uh, this too, then uh, it's going to be illegal. And if you get caught, you get penalized. All right. By the way, um, yeah, my movie reference there, it was um, Austin Powers, not Scary Movie. I'm oh, sorry. they were saying it was Scary Movie? Yeah. And then also they said that you and I sound like uh, teenage boys sitting around with our movie references. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead. Uh, 808 asking, uh, can you ask John, does Marshawn have enough to get into the hall? I think so. won't be first ballot, but I think he has enough to, to at least challenge to get in there at some point. I think so. John, what are you working on today? What's the hot story? Uh, I was resting today. Okay. You heard it. There's the hot story. John Clayton. Resting <laughs> he was <today>. resting. All right. <laughs> All right, John. Well, we appreciate it. We'll do it again tomorrow. Okay. Sounds good. There you go. If you missed any of today's cold hard facts, brought to you by Coors Light, made to chill. Download the podcast at seven ten sports dot com. Yeah, there was. Do you remember that when the Panthers? It was like I can't remember the year, but it it was literally like ten or twelve guys got popped for it. Um, I remember David Boston got popped for it, 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 but they're they're just not big stories when it does happen. When you when you see stories about guys in the NFL using performance enhancing drugs. Fans don't care. I think it's because of the nature of the sport. It's a it's a collision, violent, physical sport, and it kind of lends itself to that. Whereas baseball, you're looking at these these hallowed records that have been totally just distorted by guys who were juicing. And you know, everybody could re- if you're a baseball fan, you could recite Hank Aaron's numbers, and you could recite these, all 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 of these markers, the 500 home runs to get you into the Hall of Fame, and the 3,000 hits, and the 500 wins. And when those numbers get distorted that stood forever, you know, single season records by Roger Maris being completely distorted, total career home run numbers being completely distorted, it's a huge story. And I just feel like steroids doesn't help, wouldn't help you as a baseball player more than it would help somebody as a football player. Because it's just so much more, I mean, there's so much more skill. I mean, you can be a strong is as heck, but you still got to hit that ball right oh, at yeah. the right spot. So yeah, but you got to have the ability. It doesn't give you ability you didn't have otherwise. Yeah. It'll give you recovery, give you strength you didn't have. Again, Barry Bonds never hit fifty home runs in his entire career. Right until the end of his career, then he hits seventy three. Yeah, but yeah, and it's at the end of his career, right? Yeah, when so, when guys are completely fading physically, their right. stats are declining. There's just a natural a natural fall off physically and in your stats at that age. And he's hitting 73 when he had never hit 50 in his entire career. Yeah, And and the thing is in, in football too, there's never been anybody that had, you know, like, Oh, he started taking steroids. Then he started scoring, you know, all the touchdowns or then yeah. he started, I mean, it doesn't, but you know, I was talking to a guy at an all-star game 
and I won't say who it was, but he was he was telling me what it was like. You know, he's like, "Do you ever take steroids?" I'm like, "No," and he's like, "Oh man, I'm, you know, I got to get off them." But you know, because they test in the NFL was when I was at a college all star game, East West game, and uh, but he was telling me, "I go, what's it like?" And he's like, "You feel like king of the world on the field, like you feel like nobody can beat you." And then he said, "The day after." Um, you know, you know how you have to go light. He goes, you can bench heavy the next day after a game. You're not sore. I mean, whatever it was, it sounded really good. He was, he was a good sales pitch. I yeah. Thought, hey, maybe I should look into that. But I mean, he was just kind of, uh, admitting to it, you know, kind of yeah. just talking off the top of his head. And I was like, wow, that, that sounds, you know, and that, that sounded like something that I didn't want to do because yeah. I'm like, it, it would, might be too good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get, I mean, I understand why. Guys will do it to to salvage yeah. their career, extend their career. They think it'll help them have a career in a lot of cases. So I don't. I never looked at a guy who did it and said that's a bad person. What a what an evil guy. No, some guys are just creeps. Barry Bonds creep, not yeah. because he did steroids, just because he's not a great guy. Uh, but it just it, it it distorted these numbers that stood for so long in such a massive way. Yeah. And you saw it. I mean, Roger Maris's record stood for years and years, and decades. And then all of a sudden it's broken by Mark McGuire. And then it's broken by Sammy Sosa in three separate years and Barry Bonds. And everybody's yeah. just shattering this this 61 home run mark that yeah. had stood for decades and it's just, it became comedy. It was so obvious. Yeah, you it know? was like, okay, so nobody could do it and now everybody's doing it. Yeah. Well, and you look at in the NFL, the guys that I knew that were taking it and admitted that they were taking it, they were like offensive linemen that were trying to keep their weight up. Right. They just couldn't. You know, they just couldn't get over, and they were just trying to make a living. Like, yeah. the one guy I had a long conversation with was a backup lineman on our team. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I had to go on him because, you know, and he was telling me about how he tried to mask things and stuff like that. But he's married, had two kids. He's like 28, 29 years old. Yeah. And he's hanging on for dear life to try to get, you know, a sixth season in or whatever. So Yeah, and in, and in baseball, you know, you, you touched on it. It doesn't make you a great player. It doesn't provide you a better eye or you're – you know, all of a sudden your bat speed is is triple what it used to be. It's a power thing. It's a recovery thing. But there are plenty of players who tested dirty that didn't amount to anything. I mean, mm. Jose Canseco's brother, Ozzy Canseco, he tested positive. He was a nothing. Yeah. You know, the the late, you know, Jeremy Giambi, he tested positive. He really had nothing of a career. There, there are a ton of guys. There are more guys you would probably hadn't heard of that tested positive than guys you have heard of that did. So you get, you got to have the natural ability Certainly, but it is an enhancement. All right. Uh, There are some actual on-field changes that Major League Baseball proposed today. We'll get into some of those coming up next with Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle.